Amen. Thank you, Jen. Thank you to Victoria and the team. Good morning, everyone. Glad to see you all here. Uh, I'm going to go off script very quickly. Uh, Dol, do you mind just grabbing Lisa? I just want to connect something that Lisa said uh, to an announcement. Uh, and kind of that will just be a whole lot easier. So Lisa was up here a moment ago just thanking a number of people uh, for all the effort, for all the work. And, and really, the, the reality at White Rock Baptist Church is very little happens at church without volunteers. It really is that simple. You know, I know we have a couple of staff members. We have some people that we kind of feel like, well, we pay them, they can do it. But, you know, we could not do everything. Uh, and so as Lisa was up front just thanking all the volunteers, uh, Lisa asked me to also thank Sam Smith up in the back. Uh, Sam made the little video. Uh, you know, we have so many wonderful volunteers, people who greet you at the door, people who help out in the info booth, people who help out in the kitchen, uh, people who set up tables, people who, you know, do all sorts of just little things around the church uh, all through the week. Uh, but as I say that, and as I echo Lisa's thanks to all of the volunteers, there is always room to serve. There are plenty of places that we still desperately need people to help out in and people to volunteer in. And I know sometimes we almost get this little fear that, oh, but if I go and help in the Sunday school, you're going to expect me to teach stuff and I'm going to be stuck there until my dying day. Uh, that's not at all the case. There are so many different areas to help out. Some are kind of weekly opportunities. Others are monthly opportunities. Lisa is in desperate need, particularly for men in the Sunday school environment. We have a lot of moms that are helping out. We have a lot of teenagers that are helping out, uh, but we're desperate for some some dads to get involved, uh, and, and you don't need to freak out. The kids love you. You know, I know sometimes we have this feeling of, no, they don't want their parents there. They do. Uh, and as I echo Lisa's invitation to help out in that environment, and you can chat to Lisa about that, I know Hannah is also desperately looking for some help in our youth ministry. And of course, there we have that fear that, well, you know, teenagers are scary. I know they're scary. I worked with them for many, many years, uh, and now I, now I work with adults because you're far less scary than teenagers, you know, and, and we don't understand their lingo. We don't understand what they're talking about, but I can assure you, Hannah doesn't need you to be cool or, you know, to be trendy or to know what any of the words they say mean. She just needs some people to help oversee. Uh, and so I would encourage you, come and chat to Lisa afterwards, chat to Hannah, chat to myself. Uh, Lisa, Lisa forgot to mention when she was standing up here, and of course she wouldn't. Uh, you might have been wondering why Lisa was beaming ear to ear. For those who don't know, Lisa became a grandmother yesterday. And uh, so we celebrate with that. We celebrate with you, Lisa, and we pray just blessing. Okay, I just wanted to get you in here to embarrass you. You can go back off to Sunday school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> it was a little girl. Sorry. I'm just, I'm a guy. I know a baby happened. That's about it. I don't know the size, the length, the weight, none of that. I think they had a girl. You better double check with Lisa. <laughs> no, they did have a girl. And there's more to that story. I don't want to steal their thunder. It is a beautiful story. Today is the fourth and last Sunday of Advent. 
uh, Jen kind of mentioned a moment ago that, you know, this week it's Christmas. And, and it just kind of, how did that happen? Suddenly we're in Christmas 2021. Uh, I saw a meme this last week that totally resonated with me. And it was basically March 2020. And then on the one side and the other side, it was Christmas 2021. And there was just the scream in between that. And I kind of feel like, yes, that has been the last sort of 18, 19, 20 months. It's just blurred by in the scream. But yet here we are, the last Sunday of Advent. And Advent is that season where we pause and we reflect and we remind ourselves that Jesus came to earth. But not only that Jesus came to earth, that Jesus is coming again. And so we pause, we celebrate, we reflect, we remember. And so far in the weeks of Advent, we started with hope. Uh, and we had that, that whole idea of God with us, as Larry Schramm shared with us, the whole idea of God with us. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. We've discovered the peace that Jesus brings as he comes to us and as he restores us to relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so because of that peace that I have with God, so I can live with peace with my fellow uh, humans around me, both men and women, I can live at peace. And then last week we spoke about the joy because Christ is our joy. Regardless of the situations we find ourselves in, regardless of the circumstances that might happen, even those ones that are sad circumstances, even those experiences that are certainly not happy experiences, we can still live with joy. And we can still, we can still experience joy because Christ is our joy. And today as we come into that last Sunday of Advent and we look at this whole idea of love and this fourth theme of love, all four of them are held together as we will see in the Christmas Eve service in Christ. Because it is Christ who brings this to us and it is Christ who gives it to us. And so even as we kind of pause and we go, we, we're going to speak about love, it, it sort of seems a little weird because it's a topic that comes up all the time. There's this desire within each one of us to both love and perhaps more importantly to be loved. Virtually every song we listen to, every story we read, every movie we watch, all of our art is all around love. This whole idea of love. And, and of course it makes sense. Because we long for love. And so when Advent comes along. And, and Advent gets us to consider and to marvel at the love of God. We go that's a fitting response. Because how can I contemplate Christmas? How can I contemplate Advent without contemplating the love of God? The redemptive love of God in Jesus Christ who came to earth. It's, it's certainly not cliche to say that Christmas is not about gifts and it's not about food and it's, it's not even about family. Those things are important to be sure, but Christmas is not about those things. Christmas is about the love of God in Jesus Christ. And it forces us to slow down. 
And I, I know that in the busyness and in the rush and, and now even in the, the confusion of new rules and new kind of uh, what may, are we allowed to do, what aren't we allowed to do and COVID just keeps kind of wrecking into everything and we're kind of pulling our hair out. Now perhaps more than ever we need to slow down and to contemplate the love of God. And so today I want to consider God's love. Simply that, God's love. It is my belief that God's love is on full display at Christmas time. Uh, of course, it is equally on display at Easter. Uh, you can't have one without the other. They both go together. But today, we want to look at the full measure of God's love on display at Christmas time. Because I think we, we often fail to truly understand. We often fail to truly marvel at the love of God. Perhaps we struggle to put words to God's love. And maybe part of the reason we don't fully understand is because we don't fully understand love ourselves. We use the word love for all sorts of things. I know there are probably a couple of you here who love chocolate. And then you'll go home and tell one of your children, I love you as well. I remember growing up as a child, there was a television advert that came on. It was for a spread, you know, like a sandwich spread. Uh, and there was this child, and, and he was basically calling everyone the name of the sandwich spread and everything because that's how much he loved it. And I remember in this advert, this, here's this kid saying he, he loves his dog, and he loves his favorite toy, and he loves his mother, and he loves the sandwich spread. And, and I knew that was a lie because the sandwich spread was fish paste. I don't know any kids who love anchovy-flavored sandwich bread, fish paste. I actually do love this stuff, so sorry about that. But that's it. We use this word love so freely, and, and so we can love this and love that, and, and so we get confused as to what is love. And we can tell our children we love them, and then we tell something else, some inanimate object, that we love that. You know, Ellis Andre, our previous pastor, for those who don't know the name, uh, spoke about cricket routinely. And so I know he did that for you for 12 years. That's why I've never used any cricket illustrations in my five years here at White Rock Baptist. Um, but I do love cricket. No, wait, sorry. Mm. I like cricket. No, no, I like cricket. Uh, but as I was growing up, we had a, a, a song all about the cricket series in South Africa. And the song was, I don't like cricket, I love it. And of course, you foreigners all going, cricket? You mean that game that you can play for like five days and still end in a tie? And you like that? Yes. Yes, I do. And I miss my Boxing Day cricket test. But we barely understand the word because we've cheapened the word. We use it for everything and anything. And so when we try and pause and think about God's love for us, we struggle to fully comprehend it. Think about it. We, we say to people, I love you. When last did you say, I love you to someone? And when last did you say it in such a way that you truly meant it? And it wasn't just some kind of, oh, okay, I just say that. Or maybe I should turn it around. When last did somebody say to you, I love you? You know, we, we have people tell us that they love us. Uh, you know, when I think about love and I think about the description of love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is patient, love is kind, uh, love keeps no record of wrong, love is peaceable. 
And then I kind of go, okay, when somebody says they love me, are they patient with me? Are they kind to me? Uh, do they not you know, forget the wrongs I do? Because that's love. And then some of us, we've had somebody say, I love you. Only then for a few weeks, months, or even years later for them to turn around and go, you know what, I hate you. And to walk out on relationship. Is it any wonder that we're confused about the topic of love? Because we don't fully understand it. And we think love is some, nothing more than just a feeling. And if I feel all tingly, and if I feel all, all ecstatic, and if I feel all happy, well then it must be love. And when those feelings go, then love goes. You know, I, I know I've said this before, and sometimes Cindy and I will joke with one another, and like most married couples, you know, occasionally uh, things go wrong and somebody says the wrong thing. And believe it or not, sometimes even my wife says the wrong thing to me. Uh, I know you all think it's me who says the wrong thing to her, uh, but sometimes, you know, she'll say something and, and, and we'll kind of end up having a chat and kind of dealing with it. And so sometimes we begin the conversation with, do you love me? And you know what? The answer is always yes. My wife could have thrown a brick at me and she will still say, yes, I love you. Don't worry, she doesn't throw bricks at me if, if you're worried. But then after we say, do you love me? We will ask, do you like me? And quite often that answer is no. And then we know, okay, we need to deal with something. But it's because we, we can say, hey, I love I'm patient with you. I'm, I, I want to be kind with you. I don't want to keep a record of wrong. But there, yes, there's an issue and we need to deal with that. You know, and that's the problem is we think love is just about the feelings. And we think love is both about loving and liking. And so when our feelings change, our love seems to change. Perhaps we, we wrestle because true, loyal love seems to be so rare today. But you know what? There is there is someone who loves us. There is someone who loves you as much today as the day you were born and will love you no more and no less for every day of your life. And that person is our Heavenly Father. Our God, our Father, Son, and Spirit, our triune God, loves you. Now, yes, you might go, well, I don't always feel that love. That's a different story. But God loves you. That's not a cliched comment. That's not something we just say in a blasé way to try and brush somebody off or, or to try and kind of pat somebody on the head. Hey, Jesus loves you. No, no, no. God loves you in his full measure of love. And we see that love in both Christmas and Easter time. At Christmas time when God took on flesh and stepped into creation and Emmanuel, God, with us. The very creator steps out of eternity to be with us so that ultimately God could go to the cross to redeem us and restore us to relationship. We read that verse just a moment ago, John 3.16. I want to read John 3.16 and 17 for you. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. And then he goes on in verse 17, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Because of God's great love, Jesus came to earth in order to save, not judge, not condemn, to save. 
And sometimes we hear those verses so often, we read them, we say them, that we soon forget them. My friends, I pray that over this Christmas time, over this Advent time, you would be reminded of the depth and of the truth of that verse. That God so loves you that his son came for us. You know, in in John chapter 3 and verse 11, as Jesus is speaking to the crowds, Jesus says these words. He says, I tell you the truth. We speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But you people do not accept our testimony. And so when Jesus kind of goes, you know, who are the you people and what is it they don't accept? Jesus is saying, you people are those who reject that Jesus is the Messiah. Those who refuse to believe in Christ. Those who refuse to believe that Jesus is God as the Son of God. That Jesus is God in the flesh, God among us. That's why John 3.16 says that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world. Later on, Jesus actually explains to his disciples that he came. He chose to come to earth. Jesus voluntarily stepped out of eternity and stepped into flesh. God didn't, in that sense, send him as an unwilling participant. God didn't give Jesus marching orders and say, hey, you have to go. No, our triune Godhead said, we will go. And Jesus said, I have come to you, fully God and fully man. In fact, one theologian described that whole idea of God in the flesh, of Jesus being God and man. One theologian said, God must be able to come over to our side without leaving his own side. And to me, that makes sense. God stepped to earth. Yeah, I was quite blown away to discover that, you know, when I think about who's walked on the moon, uh, most of us would probably go, yeah, Neil Armstrong. But do you know there were 12 people have walked on the moon? I didn't know that. I I genuinely did not know that 12 astronauts have walked on the moon. And they they were through NASA NASA launches between 1969 and 1972, uh, Apollo 12, Apollo 14, Apollo 15, Apollo 16, and Apollo 17. And each one of those had astronauts that walked on the moon. And now uh, the likes of Elon Musk are talking about putting people on Mars. And you know it will come. You know there will be a day when someone will walk on the surface of Mars. Which blows my mind because that's a one-way trip. But, you know, somebody wants their name to be, I was the first person that stepped on Mars. Which still seems crazy because there's no accolades for a dead person. You're dead on Mars. So why do I bring this up? Because we marvel at that. We go like, wow, we put a person on Mars. And yet when I read the scripture, God walked on earth. God in God eternal, God walked on earth. Love stepped into the neighborhood. And I'm telling you, that is way more amazing than putting a person on any number of planets. Amen, Amen indeed. And this is what Advent reminds us of. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. 
the most meaningful, the most, uh, the most incredible gift that God could give anyone, the gift of himself. That ultimate act of love, the sacrificial love of God himself. Uh, the, the Apostle Paul tries to capture this in many of his letters to the church. And Paul says this, he says, Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. And I love that because Paul wasn't trying to judge others. Paul wasn't trying to condemn others. Paul wasn't walking around going, you sinner, repent. Paul was going, Jesus came for sinners and I'm the worst. He understood his separation from God eternal. It wasn't about what he had done and not done. He just knew I'm, I'm separated and Christ came to save me. Paul writes elsewhere, salvation is found in no one else, in no other name. For there is no other name under heaven given to humanity by whom we must be saved. That name is Jesus Christ. He is Lord. He is Savior. We sing it. He is our King. He is the Most High God. In fact, we read this uh, a couple of weeks ago in our Advent reading. Today in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. This is love. You know, God's love for us is not based on our spiritual condition. God didn't come down because we were good enough. God doesn't offer himself to you or to me because we're acceptable to him. The reality is we're never acceptable. I love the fact that God accepts us as we are. Now, to be sure, he, he loves us too much to leave us as we are. But you don't have to. It's like saying, you know, you get home after you've been working uh, out somewhere. Maybe you were at gym and you've been working out and you're sweaty. Uh, if you don't like gym, maybe you were working in your yard and now you're all covered in mud. And you come in and you go, you know what, I need to have a shower. But before I have a shower, I think I should take a bath so that I'm clean for the shower. Now, it's absurd. No, you just wash. There you go. But yet we think that with God. We think the same thing with God. We go, I, I need to get clean before I can come to God. I need to change my ways. I need to either do more of this or do less of that. And Jesus says, no. No, you come as you are. And all you need is belief. Believe. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You know, when I read through scriptures, believe is, is actually a verb. It's a doing word. It's a, a present tense, active word. It's not, I once believed, or, or I'm going to believe. It is, I believe now. In a present, continu sorry, a continual present tense. And so I simply believe that Jesus is Lord. And that He is my Savior. And why do I believe that? How can I believe that? Because at Advent, I'm reminded I didn't reach out. God reached down. Jesus came to us. And just as God gives of himself, all I do is receive. It's, it's the same at Christmas time. And that's why, you know, we love the idea of gifts. But when we give gifts to people, they're exactly that. They're a gift. We don't expect anything in return. 
You, know, you don't give your children Christmas gifts and when they open them up and you go, okay, that gift is going to cost you $20, that gift's $50, oh, and this big one here, that's $150. You can pay me uh, once you've opened up. No, no, we don't do that. We give as a gift of grace. And at Christmas, we're reminded that God has given himself in Jesus Christ as a gift of grace, and we simply receive it. You know, throughout Scripture, there are over 200 names given for Christ. Some are titles, others are concepts, still others are descriptions of Jesus. We read this one uh, right at the beginning from Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. The prophet Isaiah gives four inspiring names for the Lord that encourage us, that thrill us, and that give us hope. Isaiah says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know, the full meaning of those words should fill us with hope and and should fill us with joy. They should fill us with the, the belief that because Christ has come to us, we can endure. We can face anything because we have our counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father and our prince of peace with us. The one who loves us. I'm going to close off with this. Through Christmas and perhaps even this season, we can get sidetracked by so many things. Some good, some not so good. We can get sidetracked by the things we feel we have to do. We can get sidetracked by family gatherings. We can get sidetracked by gifts, whatever the case might be. And in that process of being sidetracked by all these little things, we lose sight of the reason for Christmas. And that's what we hope to refocus ourselves on on Christmas Eve as we light the Christ candle. Christmas is about Christ. And at Christmas time, as we pause and contemplate and as we remember and reflect, we are reminded that God is love. And love came down to us. In the form of Jesus Christ. And we can learn and we can experience and we can be enveloped in true and lasting love. And so I pray for you and I hope this coming week that as you, I don't know, open up the fridge and see a chocolate on the shelf and go, I love you chocolate. Or maybe as you make that early morning coffee with just the right amount of crema on the top and you take that first sip and you go, oh, I love you, coffee. Or maybe as you look at a grandchild coming to visit and you say, I love you. And maybe for those of you who are fortunate and blessed in that position to have a spouse who will say to you, I love you. As you hear that word, love, and as you say that word, Love. My prayer for you and my hope for you is you would be reminded that love is God. God is love. And He loves you. And He came to earth for you. And He longs to restore you to eternal relationship with your heavenly Father. 
And you might go, well, Brian, how do I receive that love? That's just it. You simply receive it. You say, yes, God, thank you for your love. I believe and I accept. That's it. There's no other doing. And then as you receive that love, that you would learn to worship and learn to celebrate that you are loved indeed. Let's pray together. My heavenly Father, God eternal, I thank you that you, God, are love. And we don't just simply say that as a cliche. We don't just say that uh, simply because we've read it in Scripture. This morning we reaffirm, based on the authority and the weight of Scripture, God, based on your revelation to us, that you are love. And in that incredible display of love, God, you didn't stay far off from us, but you came to us. Jesus, I thank you that you stepped from eternity, took on flesh, and walked among your creation in order to restore us to relationship with our Heavenly Father for all eternity. Thank you, God, that for those of us who believe, we won't perish but we will receive eternal life. And I pray that during this Advent season, again, we would be reminded of that love. God, I know there are people in this congregation right now, there are people watching online right now who might know this truth, but they've forgotten it or are in desperate need of experiencing your presence right now. God, I pray that you would reveal yourself and you would reveal your love even now. Father, perhaps for those who've sat in church and listened to this message and listened to the scriptures, but who've never taken that step of believing, who've never taken that step of receiving this gift of grace in Jesus Christ. Oh God, I pray that even right now in their hearts, they would say, yes, Jesus, you are Lord and I believe in you. And in that simple declaration then and there they would receive life because you offer it to us freely. Oh God, we thank you for your love. May we learn to receive that love and then as we go out, may we learn to share that love to a world in desperate need. For we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. You know, it might be as I've shared some of the kind of that idea of the gospel. Perhaps you have some questions yourself. Maybe you're sort of saying, Brian, I kind of get it, but I, I, I can't take that step or I'm not sure I can believe that. Hey, you're welcome to email me. Uh, my email address is on our church website. You're welcome to send me a message. You're welcome to chat to any of the pastoral team. Uh, we'd love to just chat with you and share with you what that means uh, to believe and to receive life eternal.